Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your Game Master. First, I have to apologize because we had to shuffle our production schedule a little bit. The recording of our live show will air next week. Instead, this week we have a development mode session from our A Woman With Hollow Eyes Invisible Sun actual play that we normally stream on Twitch. Invisible Sun is Monty Cook Games' latest system. It uses a lot of innovative mechanics to weave complex and interesting stories of surreal fantasy and secrets. And A Woman With Hollow Eyes is shaping up to be one of our most interesting campaigns to watch. One of the fascinating tools in Invisible Sun is development mode, an abridged form of play that allows you to investigate side scenes and other parts of the story that normally don't make it to the table. It's something that a game master can play one-on-one -on -one with a player when the rest of the group is missing. If you haven't tuned in yet, don't worry. You should be able to listen to this development mode session without being too lost. And if you're a loyal listener, this is all new content for you. I hope you enjoy this peek at a woman with hollow eyes and join us on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Central Time for our streams. This Wednesday in particular is exciting because we're encouraging all one-shot listeners and fans of Invisible Sun to leave Shadow with us. If our next episode manages to get a live viewing audience of at least 80 viewers, we will release a new side scene about one of the NPCs that's appeared in A Woman with Hollow Eyes. So Escape from Shadow this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg. We'll be waiting for you. Before we get to this week's episode, I'd like to take a quick moment to remind you that I, Kat, and Alex Roberts will be at Breakout Con in Toronto, March 16th through 18th. And there's still time to register if you want to join us for three days of fun and games. Finally, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Andrew Gordon, thank you. Rory Thomas, thank you. Amelia Antrim Kraus, thank you. Oh, she's got good comments on Twitter. Amelia, you're the best. Thank you so much. Uh, Torley Hart has more good comments and also, I think, designed one of the most, like, beautiful character sheets I've ever seen. Hmm. Um, so uh, hats off to you, Tora. Rob Stith. Rob Stith. Rob Stith. Uh, Rob does the Orpheus Protocol podcast. Yes. It's real cool. Check it out. If you like like Lovecrafty type horror mysteries, it's it's government a good... type infiltration stuff. Yeah. Impington, thank you. Theodore Steinberg Jacobson. Theodore Steinberg Jacobson, thank you. Oh, Theodore. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I know the way I did it was wrong. I'm not sure that Theodore is right. Could be Theodore. You know what? It's somewhat comforting to know that no matter how some of these names are pronounced, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> that's that's very liberating. I really like your name. It's cool. Thank you. Uh, Will Helms. Thank you. Thanks again to all of our backers on Patreon. Once again, I want to remind everyone who is at the dice level to submit your surveys if you haven't already. I'll be reposting your survey link along with some more Secret Archive content later this week. And with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, for this week, we're actually doing a development mode related to our Woman with Hollow Eyes actual play that we run every Wednesday on Twitch. And to help me do that, I have our game master, Darcy Ross. Welcome, uh, Vizlay. Thank you so much for joining us here in the actuality. Uh, make sure you uh, escape shadow very solidly this time. It's so easy to slip back in. 
Uh, yeah, definitely easy to slip back in, which is why we're providing some development mode content for people uh, on OneShot itself instead of just the stream. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend you do it. If you're a fan of our more dramatic series on OneShot, if you like more world building and storytelling focused play, then I think A Woman With Hollow Eyes is perfect for you. But our sessions today, we're going to be looking a little bit more into my character, Calvin, and some events that happened to him off screen so we can understand uh, <laughs> just just his trials and tribulations a little bit better. And uh, although the back episodes are on Twitch, I did want to say that uh, there's a setting on the Twitch app where you can turn off the video. So if lots of you are pod, you know, audio only uh, entertainers, you can totally turn the video off. That's what I do. So uh, since this is an audio only medium, do you want to talk about, tell us what Calvin looks like. So I guess we should come in on the first development mode scene. So Calvin has just been soaring through the electricity equivalent of the Invisible Sun actuality, which is the ether. It's uh, related to ghosts and this sort of a like 1920s era electricity. Uh, so what, what does Calvin look like right now? You've just been turned so, into lightning? So, uh, well, actually, this, this picks up a little bit after I came back from the ether, because when I first exited the ether, I was in mm. the sausage shop, which is immediately below my apartment. And I was like unable to move, completely paralyzed. And I was sort of drawn to the back area of that sausage shop where I discovered that my landlord was hypnotizing <laughs> angels and demons and grinding their bodies into sausage. So it was a pretty terrifying experience. Thankfully for Calvin, in sort of a clutch last minute move, he used his magic powers because Calvin is a Visley. That is a spellcaster. And the particular type of spellcaster he is, is a weaver that allows him to grab certain elements of reality and weave them together into new spells and powers and abilities for himself. And he grabbed onto thunder and in that moment, he also grabbed onto a thread that he had never used before, and that was freedom. And he wove those two together to break himself free from the spell and shoot himself back into his apartment. Calvin normally is sort of a tall, lanky fellow. He has a very prominent and pointed nose, a pointed chin, uh, kind of a baby face, and long, wild hair. Picture like Steve Harrington style, long, poofy hair. <laughs> and a lot of this look is sort of emphasized by the fact that right now, Calvin is dying. He signed a lease with his landlord that just said, you live here. Uh, Calvin, who didn't see anything in the lease that said he had to pay anything or anything that we'd think of in a lease from our world, thought that was a pretty good deal. Uh, but it turns out that that lease makes it so that when he is not in his apartment, he starts to die. So at this point, Calvin is very pale and sickly looking. Even though he's just in his later 20s, there are many lines on his face and, and wrinkles. Uh, parts of his hair have turned white and started to fall out. He's got a very skeletal haunted frame and his eyes are sunken into their sockets. Uh, to top all of that, he's covered in blood and soot. Soot because of the ozone that happened when he turned into thunder and entered the ether sockets. Blood because he has been spitting and coughing up blood intermittently for about the past 30 minutes. So this is not a good day for him. 
<laughs> so I think we come into Calvin after he is like sort of turned into this thundercloud and used it to sweep himself up uh, through the door to his apartment, which is a very spare looking place. Uh, it's the place right above Daniel McPherson, his landlord's sausage shop. And it is sort of a dusty, bare wooden room that has no furniture and very little uh, natural light or any kind of light whatsoever. And it, it just feels very unfinished and unfriendly. And it has never felt more unfriendly to Calvin in this moment as he enters this room in a mad fright, adrenaline running through his body. And already like looking down at his hands, which are like skeletal with kind of long fingers and, and discolored fingernails um, as he is sitting there staring at them above the creaky and cracked floorboards in his apartment. He can see uh, his blood sort of rushing back into them and once again restoring life to himself. And while he's doing that, the reality of his situation is sinking in. He knows exactly what that lease means. He also knew that just moments ago, his landlord was trying to draw him back into that horrible room where he's been at work grinding angels and demons into sickly food, which is actually sitting on the floor in his apartment because Calvin thought it was a welcoming gift, a moving in gift. So he's just sort of overwhelmed by the terror of his predicament in this moment and hyperventilating and having a panic attack, I think. Absolutely. Uh, that's lovely. So with development mode, um, how we determine, you know, we've, we've already seen the conflict, right? Like how is Calvin going to get himself out of this horrible mess uh, and this <laughs> terrible, no good, very bad day? I would like to preface this with the idea that um, Invisible Sun is not real magic, which uh, you're free to make your own opinions about at home. But yeah, that we is certainly have our Monty opinions about it on the stream. <laughs> we do, because I just pulled the card um, to determine how this is go. This goes, I pull a card from the Sooth deck, which is kind of like a tarot deck, um, and it helps me uh, determine how things go. So th the card I pulled is Rat. Uh, its meanings are survival, resistance, shadows, and concealment. Uh, the divination is uh, if a... If one can keep a low profile, success is very likely. If a stronger force presents itself, such as perhaps a man grinding demons and angels into sausage, resist, but do so cleverly and from the shadows, not openly. Uh, so I think that's really lovely. And I think what initially happens is, so you're having this panic attack, right? Mm -hmm. So and you've got very little in this room, but uh, but this this room is also not the nicest right it's it's got no. you know it's maybe got a little drafts in it uh there's maybe a bit of uh a little rot in some of the back of the floorboards nothing probably nicer than most places calvin has lived in shadow actually but it's not it's not perfect it's not pristine um it's a lot of wood uh and so i think what initially happens is one um little cute-faced rat peeks its head through the closet in your in your little apartment uh, and looks up at you. So you're having a panic attack. Do you even notice it or are you I, just I, in I, your own world? I don't think he does. But since the card that we're dealing with is rat, I think our camera shot for this is sort of a zoomed out view of this room in such a way that it looks like a 
sort of rat cage or enclosure that that you would have for a pet rat or perhaps a rat that you were studying. And we can see uh, this huddled mass of Calvin, like having his panic attack, um, looking very much uh, like a rat. In, in this circumstance, uh, then I think like we zip down onto the floor to to see this friendly ish face of of a rat that is in his home yeah, or prison, and- <laughs> as it may be. Uh, and, and so I think we when we get that rat shot, when we get that rat cage shot, I think we you know we zoom into the friendly rat face, and then we come back up to that like um, above like the Hollywood set where you can see as though there was no ceiling, right? And yeah. so we zoom over into your tiny little closet full of like coats and uh, or maybe not coats because you don't have very many clothes but certainly coat hangers yeah coat hangers and what you see below is that one friendly little rat sticking his face out um and a mountain of other rats uh that all start streaming out uh chittering and and starting to surround you so i think calvin immediately uh notices this uh fresh hell (laughs) Yep. There is no way he can not notice this. Um, and I think like part of him thinks that he's hallucinating. Um, and like he gets up and, and just screams. Calvin is not good with small animals, generally speaking. Uh, he's, I, I think in, uh, the shadow, he was afraid of squirrels. So I, I think this is like a nightmare. For him, uh, um, excellent. Uh, the way they're moving is is very uh, is is not just a cascade though. They're moving in some sort of strange, uh, strange pattern. Um, Calvin, how much do you know about? You have the ability to draw uh, silver objects just out of nowhere, right? They have happened sort of uh, spontaneously, and I think right. uh, th- this is the time period where we established that he would start understanding how that works. So, yeah, I, I think if something's going to happen, I, I feel like in this moment he, he feels an itch and like for a second he's afraid that one of the rats bit him. So like he comes onto his knees, he, he draws up to himself and he touches his finger, like touching his finger, you know, he doesn't see anything, but there's like a little glint of something. He thinks it's a piece of dust and he'll try to wipe it away. And as he does... Uh, he starts drawing something like sort of body horror style, I think, like actually out of himself. Yeah. It, it doesn't hurt. I, I think he experiences sort of like uh, the cool feel it, feeling of like uh, touching metal that has not been touched. Um, mm-hmm. And it's almost soothing. Uh, but, you know, to him, never having done anything like this it's also completely horrific and he's just sort of letting out a, a slow scream as he's doing it excellent um and all of the rats are uh cascading around you in a very specific pattern it looks like some kind of sigil they're they're creating um uh, i don't think you know what this would be at the moment yet though no uh, <laughs> <laughs> so all of the suns have a particular uh sigil and and uh pattern and so this is the this is the silver sun which you will you'll look back on this memory and remember hey that was that was related to the silver sun uh so you're pulling this piece of metal uh screaming out of your finger none of the rats are touching you but they are swarming around you in this uh swirling pattern of this sort of rune and they're chittering um and the shadows in this room start uh, uh, lifting and uh, and shaking, like like as though there were um, a, 
a veil sort of lifting up from this uh, torrent of rats around you. And you are at the center holding this long, uh, this increasingly long, uh, cool piece of metal. Uh, and the, sh- the shadows are sort of undulating um, around you and, and lifting you up. What are you doing? I think he finishes drawing the metal from his finger and he looks at it and it's a spoon. When, when he does that, I think the rats were like sort of chittering and, you know, almost chanting in a way. Yeah. But once the spoon finishes drawing from his finger, they stop chittering and start just moving into a silent sway. And so there's this moment of confusion. Uh, and so we sort of like go into Calvin's mind and, you know, there's the horror of just having pulled something out of your body. There's the horror of being surrounded by creatures that under normal circumstances you're frightened of. And the horror of knowing there is almost certain doom just feet beneath you. But the only thought he has in his mind is, why a spoon? Um, and the other thing about this apartment is that when you are not paying attention uh, and when you're not looking for it, you can hear uh, sort of uh, faintly from down below organ grinder music. Um, And I I think as this like little ceremony was going, like especially when the spoon got pulled out and the the rats went into their silence, um, Calvin also felt like, a complete silence in that moment. Mm. But as he's marveling over the spoon, I think that music starts to like come back a bit and the fear starts to grab him a little bit more. Excellent. Uh, so you have the spoon and the the as you as you hold it out, even though the fear is uh, grabbing you, you maybe you're like looking around behind you. Um, as you move this spoon, the, the rats in the shadows shift as though this is the is somehow steering or guiding their movement. Um, and by now, the shadow has has totally lifted up to the ceiling. So seeing outside Ooh, of this cool. little column uh, around you is is a little difficult. It seems to be shrouded. Um, but it, it's all following you. Um, okay, because I don't want this to be easy at all. Um, I kind of feel like we as the audience see a visualization of this organ grinder music. And, and it's sort of like leaking up through the floorboards and like dancing around this protected column, like not crossing the barrier of the rats but uh because the apartment door is still open i think uh there's like a thick sort of like lazy fog of it that rolls into the room and surrounds calvin and like different wisps of it like try to uh test this barrier around him uh for weaknesses and I think in the hand that, that's mm-hmm. not holding the spoon, uh, just like the smallest sliver of this music curls around his arm, and all of a sudden he is being pulled by it, drawn towards the door. Absolutely. Um, and he fears back down the stairs and back into the sausage shop. Excellent. So what does he do to save himself? Uh, the rat is all about uh, saving yourself through sheer tenacity and, and uh, cleverness. So you get pulled and slammed into that door. There's sort of a, a tumult of, of rats and things that would, you'd have to be pulled over, but 
What do you do? Yeah, I think he's like drawn back through these rats and they're like mostly unperturbed. I think actually instead of like running them over or anything, like they part like <laughs> water um, and just move at exactly the right time as he's being dragged bodily across the floor. And I think with the silver spoon, he sort of plants it down uh, into one of the wide gaps between certain floorboards in this apartment. Not too firmly, but but planting himself mm-hmm. against this getting pulled. He, he sees his, it, 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 well, he doesn't see this force. It, it's just sort of like being ripped uh, towards this dangerous place. And he's panicking and panicking and trying to center himself at the same time to, to c- come up with something. And I think we just had this moment where Calvin drew something from his own hand. So I think he's like grabbing the spoon in one hand uh, firmly. He tries to focus himself on his other hand and then slowly uh, the sort of silver again will appear around his palm. And this force that's trying to rip him down the stairs is pulling this object out for him. And we can see like it's a large, like almost wooden serving spoon um, that mm-hmm. get, that's getting drawn out of him. And the force grabs hold of it because, you know, it's moving and budging. And then boom, in a second, it's drawn out of his hand and you can hear it clank violently down the stairs. Um, and in that second, Calvin runs, like dives over to the door and slams it. Um, and he, you know, sort of rests against it, but immediately after he rests against it, there's a loud thud and you can hear just like behind the door as though there is a tremendous loudspeaker. This organ grinder music is right there. So Kelvin is not out of this situation yet. He, he, he scrambles away from the door and he looks at it and he can see it rattling, but it hasn't completely opened. So he knows he has time, but perhaps not much. Right. With this still like caught in the throes of fear, I think he begins pacing uh, like back and forth on the floor trying to think of something. And I feel like the, pat, the rats are pacing with him. Right. So uh, Calvin... Is has tears streaming down his face. This is not just terrifying. This is like sad. He has very, very recently left the whole world that he knew behind. And this place that at first seemed fun and, and magical and amazing, it turned out to be terrifying and predatory, uh, perhaps worse than the world that he came from, which he already didn't feel great about. Um, So he's like thinking of all the things uh, that he hated about the old world, but at least weren't trying to kill him. They weren't trying to rip him from his home and grind him into sausage. Um, So he's crying for what he lost and, and crying for what he found. And all of that is sort of like being pushed against by this other part of his mind that is like screaming at him. You have to think of something. You have to think of something. Um, And he's just having like 
these these palpitations of fear and panic uh when he feels another panic attack like starting to seize his chest his hand goes to grip his chest and he sort of grabs at it and when he does he feels something wriggle against his hand and he like pulls his hand away from his chest in surprise and then curiosity completely overwhelming his sense of self-preservation and fear he puts his hand back and grabs hold of it again and he can feel like this wriggling thing um and he just starts to pull and as he pulls i think there's like this inky shadowy thing that's almost made of an undulating living oil but moves about with the cool fluidity of smoke of of thick heavy smoke Um, and as he's pulling it out he can see that popping up along its amorphous body are these little polyps that develop into round pustules and then split open to reveal themselves as eyes Um, But the strange thing is, although it terrified him at first to grab hold of this and and to touch it at all, the more, and and, and that anything like this is coming out of him, uh, the more he pulls it out, the less worried he feels about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And he continues to pull on it and pull on it until I think like two or three feet later, Uh, there's this strange floating creature uh, that looks like a moray eel, um, except black and oily, um, floating in the air in front of him. It opens its mouth and like it folds out into a bizarre and horrific alien-looking jaw as the eyes all sort of glare at him. And with this in one hand, in another hand, he grabs some air and quickly like furls that around this creature until it is suspended. Um, in the air in front of him in kind of like a bubbly fishbowl. And it immediately, violently batters itself against its cage. Scaring the rats. Uh, Scaring the rats, yeah. They, they are they are like... Huddling behind you. Bugging out. But Calvin doesn't flinch as it comes towards him and, and tries to bite at him with those jaws. Uh, and then he looks back towards the door of his apartment and, and he can see it violently rattling and wiggling. Um, and he also regards it with interested curiosity instead of fear. And in this moment, uh, he sort of flashes back to that moment where uh, he was in the sausage shop and his landlord uh, was silhouetted in the doorframe behind him. And that organ music was glaring and he was reaching uh, out for some sort of escape and felt at that unfamiliar thread that was nothing like the elements of thunder, of which fear is a a category, or wind, which movement and grace is a category, he felt something wholly unfamiliar and new. And he tries to grab at it again, but it slips through his fingers um, as though he has no mastery over Mm -hmm. it. And I think he spends a good couple minutes at it. In the meantime, like the door jam is like starting to split Mm -hmm. a little bit um, as it's continually being pounded against. Um, 
So he's now in this situation where he knows that there is an element that he was able to control once, but he doesn't fully understand it. And he has kind of an imperative need to get out of this place, uh, but he doesn't know how to do it. Uh, and also, you know, he's he's dealt with the fact that he's he can now pull objects out of his hands and there are a bunch of rats around him that are not behaving in the way that you would expect rats to behave. But Calvin only finds this curious, not alarming, like he like he had before. Like he probably like should. He probably should. Very good point. So so Calvin's taken several minutes of time, but but his time is basically up, you know, even without uh his previous trepidations. Um that's just a cold, hard fact that he is about to be encroached upon. I'm going to pull a new card because I feel like you're sort of at mm-hmm. a new point of, of conflict. Uh, you still have, you know, the the influences of the rats. That, that card is still in effect. But um, uh, Angel is the card I pulled. And uh, it's a beautiful, strange uh, creature with uh, four pairs of black bird wings with eyes all around them and uh the head has sort of an elongate teardrop shape with a uh freaky looking mouth up up at the top so that's beautiful uh its meanings are judgment safety assistance light and justice uh oh i'm so glad that that's the card you pulled darcy it's almost as if this game is most certainly (laughs) magic um because if we'll remember the solution that Calvin came up to this problem, uh, I think Angel would be particularly helpful. Calvin, after sitting in contemplation, and I think like the rats are kind of like mimicking his movements too. They each have like their hands beneath their little chins, yeah. sort of stroking their chins and in uh, deep thought, um, realizes that there's only one being that he knows uh, that can help him with this situation, and that's Librolite. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Librolite is outside, and if he should exit this place, uh, he will be bodily dragged to his doom. He thinks back to Librolite, and I, I think we see the way Librolite speaks is uh, through pages, because Librolite is a person with a book for a head. And uh, those pages are expressed sometimes in written words and other times in pop-up pages. And back when Librolite was giving his initial instructions to Calvin and inducting him into the Order of Weavers, uh, Librolite explained that Calvin controlled uh, the elements of wind and thunder. And... uh, for wind, uh, it it like the pages sort of danced in these uh, sweeping movements of like tabs flowing around the pages and like some of them ruffling and wrinkling, uh, trying to convey all of the elements that make up wind to Calvin. And I believe for wind, one of those is spirit. So in this moment, Calvin, who is no longer bound by the shackles of fear, once again reaches his hand towards his chest. Um, And instead of pulling out fear, he is going to pull the soul right out of his body. Go Calvin. No. (laughs) (laughs) This this poor beat up person who's dressed in rags and tatters uh, reaches into himself and, and pulls out his own soul. And like we can see 
a much healthier version of Calvin who has similarly wild hair getting drawn straight out of his chest. He pulls this version out. We, we can see that uh, this person, uh, who is Calvin really, is dressed in a tweed suit, uh, a three-piece tweed suit with a waistcoat. Um, the uh, waistcoat uh, underneath it has a uh, vest. And on that vest, we can see eight buttons uh, that are uh, emblazoned with multicolored jewels that reflect the pattern and colors of the eight suns that we know about, the eight physical suns. And this version of himself, like, sort of gets drawn out of its chest, uh, out of Calvin's chest, and floats in the air. And we can see Calvin's body slump to the ground as uh, Calvin, like, stares down over it curiously. I think the rats sort of rush around uh, to look at it too. And they look up at Calvin's soul, like, kind of quizzically, and he shrugs back at them. Um, <laughs> And then he moves over to like the tiny dirty window that he has um, and he looks mm -hmm. out. And I think from here he can see uh, the tower that is Librolite's office and mm -hmm. he cautiously sticks a hand through and pulls it back and, you know, sees that like whatever spell he's cast, he has the freedom to do this. And then mm -hmm. we see him poke his head through and we cut to the outside of this property and we can see like a ghostly version of Calvin just sticking his head through this window and looking around at the street outside. Um, and then he pulls himself through entirely and floats over to Librolite's office. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. You you see that uh, the... The cab run by the woman with hollow eyes, the whole hollow-backed woman, is just has the cab sitting there on the opposite side of the street, running and waiting. Uh, but you are floating yeah, across. Yeah, I think for a moment he considers what, like, getting in that cab. But he'll remember back to Kitty and Wayne saying, never get in that cab. Do not ever get in that cab. <laughs> so he thinks better of it and he'll float over it uh, to get to Librolite's tower. Excellent. Um, so you come upon Librolite's tower, which is this uh, beautifully spiraled thing, right? It has a, it's got um, sort of a, a spiral staircase that you're walking up on the inside. Um, but do you just float right into the right room? He's got this sort of office um, on the top. Yeah. Or do you? I think like, yeah. like he floats outside the office and he goes to knock on the door and his hand passes right through and he goes, ah, right, of course. And he covers his eyes with his sort of spectral hand and he walks in and goes, Librolite, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting anything, but I kind of have a situation and I think I need your help. Uh, excellent. Um, when you when you get inside there, you see. Uh, I'm going to pull a card because we're in this new space, and I'm curious how Librolite's going to take this. Um, Hunter, that's ominous, uh, given the context. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Librolite's office is. Um, he's usually a very dapper dressed gentleman with some sort of like like naval uh, kind of uniform. Yeah. And he has a lot of like uh, ships in in bottles and stuff. Like he's got this kind of naval military uh, 
accoutrement, I guess, mm-hmm. um, around. Uh, and lots of, you know, um, other little like curios in this office and a big desk and some chairs. Uh, Hunter, Hunter's meanings are um, nature, death, conflict, survival, and seeking a goal. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So I... I, I think you initially walk in on um, uh, a thought form, which are these, uh, they're, you know, basically unseen servants, right? They're, um, but they're, they're sort of human looking, often uh, constructions that are used to, uh, you know, go, go fetch me four apples from the marketplace or whatever, right? Uh, so there's a thought form um, dressed uh, similarly to like how Librolite does, there's some similarities in their sort of uh, outerwear. Um, it seems to be like dusting the desk. And when you when you come in, you announce this, but can they hear you? I don't think they can because you're all in spirit form, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if uh, spirit forms are things that, that people can hear. I, I don't think it does. So it keeps uh, like dusting off this desk, but there are a number of uh, little curios on the behind the desk that start like worrying every time you speak uh so there's there seems to be something that's reacting to you okay okay so i mean librolite talks to me all the time through pop-up book pages so it should not be too hard for me to try and animate these curios uh so that they can communicate a message um so i i, I think like i really like the idea because you mentioned all of these ships uh, of like a yeah. fleet of tiny ships like sailing across the room because like Kelvin is sort of drawing them across the room to get the attention of Liberalite or this thought form or what have you. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you start um, moving this fleet of ships and at first the, the thought form kind of looks at it, but it doesn't really react very much to it. Uh, there's a lot of curios in here that do strange things. So what is it that you do that is, you know, kind of big and Calvin explosive or uh, just very, alarming that really sends them off as this is something I need to report. Okay. Okay. So I think, well, Calvin right now has, he can move the wind and he can do thunder. So I think, um, these are incredibly detailed models that, uh, that Librolite builds. So I think like they are actually, functional ships like if you just sized them up they would be just as detailed as Fully, a galleon yeah. would be so I, I think the cannons start firing on them and like that fills the room with these cracks and booms <laughs> uh excellent uh the thought form looks up in in shock um and i is is a uh, is anything actually exploding or is it just oh god i mean something must be uh yeah what what breaks i think it is probably a snifter of brandy oh just just shatters shatters. great excellent um and it creates this this loud noise um and you have no fear but uh there's there's the very very distant sound of some music sort of floating in through the window perhaps organ grinder Mm -hmm. music but uh but the thought form looks up in alarm and uh like goes to the side of the room and pulls on a tassel. Um, and within moments, uh, you see Liberlite like throwing open the door to the room. Uh, so Liberlite is very tall, this beautiful yellowed paged uh, tome as, as their head, um, uh, as his head. And it's got, um, you know, it's maybe got all of its pages are sort of crinkled up and look like kind of bent mm-hmm. uh, just at the top few pages that are sort of open um, as it, as it sort of like looks around and, and, uh, 
immediately catches sight of the brandy. Uh, uh, Libra Light weaves something quickly that um, pulls all that brandy back into the glass and restores Oh, that's so glass, cool. Uh, and sets it on the desk and is sort of looking around. And then uh, do you think uh, Libra Light immediately notices you? Or I Okay. Um, I like the idea that spirits... How well in spirit are you, you know? I, I think... So he, I just pulled this... I used movement from wind, or, or I'm sorry, I used movement from uh, thunder and uh, spirit from from wind to like do this. But mm-hmm. I, I think like for spirits that are traveling to other pla- other suns that aren't the pale, like I feel like there's got to be a pretty big specialized operation that you need to do in order to do that. And I think one of the re- only reasons mm-hmm. that Calvin isn't dead right now is he signed the contract that said you live here. So even though his soul isn't in his body, yeah. his body is not dead because it's in that room. Calvin does not know that that's the case, I think. Um, right. But so, and, and I like the idea that uh, spirits cannot immediately be seen, but I think also Librolite is just, you know, b- being one of the higher members of the Weaver's Guild. Like he has something that would allow him to talk oh, yeah. to spirits in any circumstance. Nor My instinct as a storyteller would be to make this a mirror, but I know mirrors uh, mean something very different in Invisible Sun. So I'm trying to picture what that would be perhaps opera glasses opera glasses feel very him yeah absolutely um does he does he kind of conjure them does he or or are they just sitting on a are they one of his many gadgets he's kind of you know he's not quite a wayne level gadget man but uh he does have yeah a lot he's of got a lot of stuff in baubles i like the idea that he i think he takes a pair of opera glasses and I think he weaves something onto them. Perhaps the glasses themselves don't do anything, but like, yeah, they're just his opera going glasses. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And I think he does like (laughs) Like a complex weave that like involves more threads than I would ever really be able to hold. And like, it's just like this huge complex mass. And until he's able to like place them, uh, about where his eyes would be and look and see Calvin sort of floating there. Yeah, and what he initially, uh, so as he like layers this beautiful like lattice of weaves that you can't quite follow at all, um, even even when you're really trying to watch, he sort of lays that over the opera glasses and holds them up to his eyes. And um, <clears throat> he doesn't initially look at you. He initially looks uh, sort of out the window that you came, or like the wall that you came through. Um, and he's... He's following some line and you see him sort of turning his head as he follows this line. And as you're watching, you can almost see it too. There's a tether, um, a little like, you know, ephemeral tether that's um, reaching outside and and tying you to other things. And so he's watching and whatever he sees, you know, you're you're still not looking through the wall. But whatever he sees causes him to throw the opera glasses aside um, and starts pulling up this elaborate uh, weave um, and he seems to be uh, putting up all of these elements of um, protection and and hiding and uh, and like and like life sustaining um, sort of weaves around um, and he currently hasn't even addressed you right uh, <laughs> so uh, but he seems to be fortifying his place uh, and only only after a moment of that does he uh, sort of drop his shoulders a little bit um and he you know turns a new page and sort of faces where mm-hmm. you're at um and uh he's 
he seems to be uh, he, he like goes and picks up the opera glasses again to to get a better sight on you. Um, and then he says, uh, uh, just sort of in like beautifully scrawled calligraphy, I see you've picked up some new tricks, Calvin. Well, sort of almost a little bit. I mean, this isn't new in that I'm pretty sure I could have done this before, but uh, I got in trouble, as I think you've parsed, and um, I almost died, but I managed to pull my way out of it. The only thing is, I I did something that I can't do again. I'm trying to grab this, and Calvin sort of like, again, like tries to grab at the thing that he can't really take hold of. And I think without his body, it's weirdly easier for him to grab at this thing, but he still can't hold it in his hands. It it slips through his fingers, but I I think it should be enough to convey to Librolite what he's trying to do. And here's the thing. I don't know how I managed to grab the wind. I don't know how I managed to grab thunder. And now I'm trying to grab this. And I figured you might know. (laughs) <laughs> what's what's Lieberlight's like what is a book person's equivalent of like laughter or smiling oh man i i think it is just pages rapidly flicking and moving <laughs> and like ruffling uh, excellent excellent um so it 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 does that um Lieberlight does that and then he he turns to a new page and it's um it's a beautiful like uh sort of ritual diagram right and so it's got a uh, sort of red ink and uh, red and black ink and it's got all of this like fine um kind of ink work and it's got these complex uh diagrams that and sort of pop outs and things um and it actually like pulls itself off of the page and it's this 3d um strange uh series of of swirls and symbols and occasionally some writing that you can mm-hmm. read um and it, it's this kind of this cube right uh and so he he uh sort of puffs a page so that it like causes a little air current to pull it over to you um <clears throat> and as you're, as you're looking at it it sort of flips through different phases of like of different faces of mm-hmm. the cube and so on one face it says uh um like a, a weaver's first freedom weave or, you know, the, the freedom aggregate. And so it's it's almost this little tome of like um, the user manual for this. Oh, I love it. Uh, and so it's but it's switching through the faces as, and as it as it does, it gives you new kinds of information and and uses. But uh, but it starts happening very fast. And so you just kind of internalize it rather than properly read it. Um, but uh, Librolite is. So this cube of of information and, and scroll work is sort of sitting in front of you, uh, and and as you do, you feel like you've really, uh, like you feel that that weave, that aggregate that's very internal to you. It, it feels stronger um, and more solid. Like you can call on it again. It it feels more comfortable, like the weaves of thunder and and uh, uh, wind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so uh a- after it's sort of gone through its little uh <laughs> tutorial spiel it uh it sort of dissipates and Libra like claps his hands uh and and ha- just has this bearing that's like very proud um but then he like uh he looks out the wall that that he was you know following the thread of your connection to before and and gets worried again uh uh he asks um through sort of pop up like uh sort of a visual of like him and you and him like putting his uh his arms on your shoulder and and you putting a thumbs mm-hmm. up like are you okay you know he sort of oh. has this visual of like 
you know, good job, but are you okay? <laughs> well, I think I'm in mortal peril, certainly, but I feel like this is my way out of it. Uh, the situation that I was in before was a lot more vulnerable. Um, and to keep my clarity, I've obviously moved the fear from my body. So uh, I, I don't think I should be harried by any of that. And with this thread, <laughs> I was able to escape before. So perhaps now having better control of it, I'll be able to escape again. But I did notice that it said I shouldn't be able to master a new weave unless I advance in the order. And I am somewhat, well, not concerned because I fear nothing, but perplexed. How would I be able to master freedom as an aggregate if I've done nothing for the order? Um, so the card I pulled a minute ago was Relentless Rumor. Ooh. Uh, and um, I know what this means. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if you do, so that's fine. Uh, so Lieberlight sort of puts his puts his hands behind his back um, and starts kind of pacing the room a little bit, uh, pondering, right, and talking aloud. And so he's flipping over new pages and sort of starts to write something and then scratches oh, it out. So cool. And, uh, and uh, then he has... I kind of think um, when he's so scrapping he's, he's doing... those, like the pages just fall out and crumple and oh, like yeah. land into basket, like like a wastebasket. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, a sort of bounce uh, <laughs> impossibly into it. Uh, and, and so he says, it, what he finally turns to you and says is, uh, we only teach new weaves when you advance to a new order. I didn't teach you that weave. I just helped you remember it. Oh, huh. He says, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, he says, you know, for propriety <laughs> and and for and in honor of uh, your accomplishments so far, which are many, uh, even though you struggle to master them, uh, we are moving you up to the next order of weavers. You and I currently uh, consist um, of our own weaver cell. Uh, I haven't taken on any protégés. You've been my first uh, in many, many years. Uh, I think we should get you a cohort, but for now, it will have to be the two of us. Um, Calvin sort of like, he, he takes in this information and then he just has this look of gratitude uh, across his pa his like ghostly face. Goes, thank you so much. I, I, I hope it doesn't get you in trouble because like we did this through a loophole and boy, I don't even know the implications <laughs> of me spontaneously uh, learning magic that I shouldn't know. Um, but I'll tell everyone that I just worked very hard and we won't have anything to worry about. So I, I think part of what uh, Liberlite was saying has just gone right over Calvin's head. Um, and he thinks that yeah. Liberlite is just going out on a limb for him. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I think Calvin like goes and like shakes his hands like like with a uh, two handed handshake, like thanking him profusely. I, I really feel that I must go uh, because I have to make sure that uh, whatever force is pulling me doesn't grab my body. I don't know how long I'm supposed to be able to do this. <laughs> uh, Leverlight turns a new page uh, and and. Uh and like gets gets kind of up close to you for a moment, and he takes uh, one of his long, spindly, gloved hands, and he uh, he sort of he sort of, you know he, you had 
you had shook his hands and he, he holds one of them to sort of keep you here before, before mm-hmm. you leave. And he takes one of his long spindly fingers and he puts it up at your forehead, your little spirit forehead. And he, uh, he sort of writes, um, I, I can help a little with that. And he, and he taps your forehead. Uh, you now have a practiced weave. Uh, you can choose an effect that you've made in the past and um, you can recreate it for like cheaper or free, right? So it's, it's basically like, you know, something you can do it becomes a tool that you can use over and over oh, again. Neat. Um, and, and he says, uh, uh, master of the temple, Calvin Weaver, uh, go see to your business. Um, and he, uh, like starts to take away the wards that are both keeping everything else out and you here. Um, and I, I think with that, he sort of easily this time grabs freedom as, as he did in that moment of yeah. panic before. Uh, and he takes that and twirls it up with thunder and like very much like the last time with this sort of explosive power and force, uh, his soul draws out and, and we can see that, uh, the, again, that like sort of sickly, I think maroonish red, uh, visualization for the organ grinder music has sort of like mm-hmm. bubbled and smoked up, uh, to like encase Liberlite's tower in this smoggy male- malevolence. Yep. And Calvin, like a shot, like boom, shoots out of that. uh, And it swirls like a tornado behind him as he, like a comet, streaks back towards uh, the building where his apartment is, racing against uh, this horrible inky substance. Um, uh, Blasts back into the room and then uh, into his body. And I think the impact of that sends him streaking across the floor and the rats that are there with him like quickly uh, pile up and uh, sort of like push his body to stop him from slamming into the wall. Yeah. Uh, With that, he like gets up and like, I think awkwardly because he had just become not accustomed to moving with a body. And I think his limbs feel a little bit heavy and weird on him now, Um, like Mm -hmm. manages to stand up and I think now he he runs over to an ether socket uh, that he has in his in his apartment. He rips the socket out of the wall and like grabs the power from the ether, uh, power being an yeah. aspect of thunder, and he sort of weaves that uh, with with freedom to create a kind of barrier for this apartment. Excellent. Then he goes to the center of the room and is like, okay. This is a temporary measure, but I have more tools than I had before. And the only way for me to get out of the situation entirely is to learn what I'm capable of. And with that, he puts two fingers to his pointer finger and draws a spoon out of his hand, regards it and flicks it on the floor and does this a couple times until that first spoon, it, which is planted in like the floor, um, sort of squawks, uh, comes to life and turns into a bird. Uh, it yes. d- <laughs> like flies across the room and Calvin goes, curious. Uh, so so Cal- Calvin is in this almost meditative state, right? And there's still the horrible black inky moray eel swirling in a fishbowl of air hovering over you that you're, you know, not quite looking at but also not quite worried about that (laughs) represents all of your fear and there are these these rats with shadows that had been trying to protect your body but clearly you're you know 
you're free from from the need that they were there for. And so uh, one by one, they start uh, traveling into your closet. Uh, but the final one um, like comes up to you and gets up on its little hind legs. Uh, and it takes a, a very small, uh, worn, kind of bumpy uh, bronze coin and it just places it in your pocket. Ooh. It's just got a little rat face on it and it it pats your um, your little shirt pocket like reassuringly and then it skimpers away. So cool. I can't wait to follow up on that. that oh, that's coin. awesome. But but it but it is totally uh, a thing that Calvin wouldn't have brought up to the party yet because <laughs> you were you were just uh, very nonchalant about everything I, in this state. Yeah, and there was like kind of a lot going on. So Kind of. <laughs> All right, excellent. I'm so glad to know how you uh, ascended to the order of weavers you know, via a loophole, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> question mark. And we will see how, how what the implications of these are going forward. Excellent. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this development mode session. Uh, if you enjoyed development mode and you've never watched A Woman With Hollow Eyes before, uh, be sure to join us on Wednesday because Wednesday is Escape From Shadow Day. We are going to be welcoming new viewers onto our stream to watch one of the first very, I, I imagine, bizarre, and exciting combats that we're going to have in A Woman With Hollow Eyes. And if we manage to get to 80 viewers, we're going to do a development mode session that will help us learn about one of the side characters that we've established in Invisible Sun. So if you liked Librolite and you want to know more about him, you can vote to make him the person that we learn more about or can catch up on the stream and learn about such NPCs as Agnememnon butler was it yes uh a spider uh, who steals memories and a spider academic mm-hmm. <laughs> who steals memories i like the the married couple that uh every time they bicker they swap bodies yes um, <laughs> and uh oh uh moxie the muppet bartender of kitty's family bar what happened when moxie escaped shadow uh did he really escape with Visley Jim Henson? Who knows? <laughs> we would have to uh, find out. <laughs> yeah, and the only way we're going to be able to find out is for folks to join us if we can get to 80 simultaneous live viewers on our next episode of A Woman With Hollow Eyes. We will produce that development mode episode so that you can learn more about the world of Invisible Sun. Um, <laughs> so be sure to join us at twitch.tv slash one-shot-rpg Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Thank you, Vizlay. Remember to bring a friend to help them escape from shadow, as we all want to see you well and good in the actuality as we participate together in the legacy ritual. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week. But don't worry, we'll be back next week with our live episode. If you're looking for other great gaming shows in the meantime, be sure to check out Backstory. Backstory is an ongoing series of interviews with some of the most compelling voices in the RPG and LARP community. Designers, organizers, scholars, and other fascinating folks join your host, Alex Roberts, for a deep dive into their current projects and visions for the future of role-playing. Check it out every other Thursday at OneShotPodcast.com. Remember, Alex, myself, and Cat Cool will be at Breakout Con in Toronto, March 16th through 18th. There's still plenty of time to register if you want to join us for three days of fun and games. This Wednesday on the OneShot Twitch stream is Escape from Shadow Day. We want to invite as many new viewers as possible to join us on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time for the fifth episode of A Woman with Hollow Eyes. If we manage to get 80 live viewers at once... 
we'll release a new development mode session focused on one of the NPCs that we've seen so far. If you want to catch up before the next episode, be sure to head over to OneShot's YouTube page where all of A Woman With Hollow Eyes is available for video on demand. As always, we end OneShot with a call to action. And this week, I want to talk about the Americans with Disabilities Act. Heroes, I grew up with learning disabilities, and the ADA helped me become the person I am today. I struggled a lot in school. Even after I learned important techniques for coping with my disabilities, I still needed certain considerations. Things like being able to take extended time on the SATs and ACTs helped me go to college. And without going to college, I wouldn't have discovered role-playing. My disability impacts me every day. Thankfully, I don't depend on too much outside assistance. That's not true for many Americans. There are folks with physical disabilities who can't do the day-to-day things that you take for granted without assistance. It can be something so small as a larger restroom stall or a textured sidewalk border. Small innovations that make the world easier and safer for millions of people. And thanks to the ADA, most of the time, people are provided the assistance they need to live their lives. Unfortunately, the House of Representatives just passed a bill that would weaken those protections. H.R. 620 eliminates all incentives for businesses to proactively ensure that their businesses are accessible to people with disabilities. That is shocking and horrible on its own. There's nothing that we have to gain as a society by preventing folks with disabilities from being able to do the things that everyone else around them is able to do. Thankfully, we don't have to stand for this. We can fight this. And one of the best ways to fight it is by calling your representatives. Now, you can find this issue summary along with contact information for your representatives and a script to read while you're on the phone over at fivecalls.org. There are a ton of other great issues there if you'd like to take a more proactive approach to fighting for what you believe in. If you need that extra motivation, remember... I would not be here talking to you if it were not for the ADA. That's how important this is. The other big thing I need you to do is go and register to vote. You can head to voterparticipation.org to look for the methods to register in your state. Making sure that you and everyone that you know is registered to vote for the midterms in November is vitally important. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest OneShot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at paracosmpress.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes.